Hey Church, it's great to see you again today. Just want to straight away just wish everybody a really happy new year. Trust you had a good time celebrating over the last few days in your bubbles and all the different things that you had to do to protect ourselves against this virus. Uh, to be honest, I was a little sad because uh, this year is probably just a handful of times in my life where I haven't spent uh, New Year with my family up in Scotland and going out visiting people as we call it first footing and seeing people in their houses straight after midnight. Um, but it was good to be here with my own family as well. Uh, you know, we'll be glad to see the back of 2020, I'm sure, and look forward to God being with us right through the rest of 2021. And I'm sure he's going to do great things. You know, when when I, I'm reading the Bible, I don't know about you, but often when I read about the lives and the exploits of many of the people that we find in the Bible who are part of our family history, I very often feel a little bit inadequate. Don't know if you feel like that. They seem so good. They seem to have got things so together and my life seems so insignificant to theirs. We read in the book of Hebrews uh, in chapter 11, person after person, men and women who stood up for God and were counted for God and were great men and women of faith. You know that I like a football analogy. And if Hebrews 11 uh, was like the Premier League of faith, uh, then I would probably be playing for Newport Pagnell Town in some nondescript leagues somewhere. I don't know where you would see yourself. Um, but there are glimpses of hope. The Holy Spirit, and right in the Bible too, is, gives us glimpses of hope to help stumbling followers of Jesus like me and you. They give us hints uh, into the characters that we read about, that maybe they didn't have it all together, that they, as well as having great moments of faith, they did experience moments of fear as well. Moments when they would remain quiet when they knew they should speak out. Maybe moments when they went to hide when they should have been out front. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in that place when you've been maybe with your family or maybe with work colleagues or maybe out for a meal with some friends and this, the, the, this, the, the conversation goes round and you know you've got an opportunity to share about Jesus and how much he means to you but still in that second we make a decision sometimes to remain quiet. You know what I mean? One of the people in the Bible that we can read about is a guy called Simon Peter and you know Peter he lived a really odd life and uh, I probably um, identify with him more than any other person in the Bible. Why? Because no one in the whole of Scripture is so unpredictable, so volatile, so impulsive, so hyper-responsive as Peter. Nobody. I mean, he was just a crazy guy. It was like two feet. If I can put two feet in, I'll put two feet in. He sees Jesus and he jumps over the side of the boat to walk on water. He, he takes his sword out of his wherever it was and cuts somebody's ear off. Um, he, Jesus wants to wash his feet and, and he's going, no, don't. I don't want to do that. Okay, wash all of me. He's just a responsive guy, emotional guy. And uh, in fact, his, his Arabic name, Cephas, uh, uh, when we read it in the Arabic, it, it actually means rough. He's a rough character. And, you know, he was a, a roller coaster person. On his worst days, he would 
bossed Jesus around, or at least tried to. And in fact, at one point in time, he even denied knowing Jesus. You know, if Peter went to Bible school today, it's highly likely he would be kicked out before the end of his course because he would just be getting it wrong all the time and be a problem. You know, and Peter wouldn't be the obvious choice to lead a life group. We would probably be looking at all the things he was doing wrong in his life. And But the thing I love is that Jesus chooses deeply flawed individuals and uses them. He, he didn't have a great big long list of qualifications for you to be in his disciples or he, he just wanted you to follow. That was all. You had a heart that was willing to follow. And he, he gives Peter this flawed individual who's hyper responsive. He gives him the top preaching slot. I mean, if there was ever a pre preaching slot that you would want as a preacher, it's going to be on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has come. I mean, you could have said anything and people would have got saved. And he gave Peter this weak failure, the opportunity to be the champion of his cause. And it makes me glad because it gives me hope. Peter, according to church history, he was um, martyred by crucifixion. And uh, he, um, he, he, was, he didn't want to be martyred in the same way as Jesus. So he got martyred on a cross upside down. And, uh, and so when we read about this, we find this guy who once denied even knowing Jesus, he went to dying for him publicly. He, he denied him publicly, but he died for him in public as well. Peter wrote two letters which form part of the New Testament. And as we step out of 2020 into 2021 as a church, in January, we're going to be hanging around in First Peter. I would love for you to get your Bible out, go towards the end of the New Testament. You'll find it there. And just take some time, maybe every, every day, just, it's only a few chapters long, read through it and you will be, uh, get a, an impression of what we're going to be talking about over this next few, few weeks in January. You know, a few years ago, uh, in one of our Christmas broadcasts, the Queen named the previous year her Annus Horribilis. I'm not sure if I said that right, but it was something like that. She was looking back at the, the year she's just had and said, just everything went wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And I think as we look back over 2020, I'm sure we would all agree in so many ways it's been a rubbish year. Um, and even for a dyed-in-the-wool introvert like me, even I was going stir-crazy in lockdown to be separated from so many people. And uh, 2020 is gone. 2021 is going to roll in. But, you know, the reality is that we don't know what the 2021 has in store for us. It, in the same way that... 2020 introduced new threats like coronavirus. It's likely that other things are going to come into our lives, our challenges that we may have. Unexpected waves are going to crash into our lives and when we least expe expected. And I truly believe Peter and his letter gives us the wisdom that we need to do to be able to stand firm and what we've called this series is unshakable, to stand unshakable in times of trouble. 
If you add all the verses together in Peter's two letters, you get a short amount of verses, 166 verses. And although they're brief, I really believe that they're power-packed and they're useful for us in our life and our experience at this time. And the people that he wrote to at this time, they were living in pagan cities, which meant that, they, that to live as a Christian made them look a little bit odd. And I think that's maybe how we as Christians, I mean, as we live our lives out following Jesus, we probably look a little bit odd to the people around about us. Here's what, how Peter started his letter. He goes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You know, many of the letters that we read in the New Testament, they were written to specific churches in one place. For example, Rome. And, and Rome, it's, it's expected that there was probably five or six or maybe even seven house churches meeting in Rome. They didn't meet in one central place, but they met in up to about seven different homes. There was probably about 50 people in each home, but the letter was read out at one place in Rome. But Peter was writing to uh, churches over a vast region in what today is modern-day Turkey, an area that is bigger than the whole of England. So all these churches were spread out and people would have taken the letter from one church to the other so everybody could hear it. And in a sense, these Christians that we're talking about now, they were born out of trouble. These are the Christians that we read about in Acts that were scattered from Jerusalem because the persecution was so bad and they moved out and they took the gospel with them wherever they went. And they started communities of faith in the towns and the villages and cities that they went to. They didn't need a specialist with them. They didn't need a church planter. They didn't need an apostle. They just went individually by themselves. And I love that idea of the church. It's not about a few specialists doing things. It's not about the pastors, but it's about us living for Jesus and the place he's put us in, whatever city and place that is, even through lockdowns and being kept away from our building. We haven't been in the building for, I don't know, eight or nine months now. But the church doesn't close down because we are the church and we live out the community of faith where we're at. And, you know, making matters worse, they were facing a load of troubles and trials and temptations. And on certain days, they were experiencing difficulty. It wasn't like persecution, like, you know, like you watch the old films and the Romans persecuted the Christians. It wasn't like sort of that sort of persecution. It was the persecution that they experienced from the people they worked with and their neighbors because they looked so much differently and they behaved so much differently. And I have a feeling today that a certain group of section in the church, if they saw people experience suffering in that way, they would probably say, oh, well, they've missed the will of God for their life, or maybe there's sin in their life, so maybe God is punishing them. But I don't believe that for one minute, because we all experience persecution and trials and difficulties in our life. And right at the outset of this letter, Peter wants his spiritual family to know that they may be a long way away, they may be in another land, and they're facing extreme hardships. But God had not forgotten them. He'd not forgotten them. He calls them 
Now look at this phrase. He calls them elect exiles. You know, on first look, that looks like a bit of an oxymoron, two words that shouldn't be together. The Greek word for elect there is ekletos, and it means selected, chosen, especially loved, elect. You're, you're selected, you're chosen, you're specially loved. And, and, and exile, it means feeling rejected, isolated, strangers in a, a foreign land. So the two things don't seem to come together, but he's saying you're precious to God even though you're not in a foreign land and a long way away. You're not rejected. And as we read the rest of Peter, we find that um, he returns to this whole idea of the chosen, the ecletos, in the next chapter, 1 Peter 2, verse 4, as I come towards the end. Here's what he says. As you come to him, a living stone, this is talking about Jesus, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, remember, they're the exiles. They're the people are a long way off. They, may be, they were rejected in Jerusalem. They're being rejected by their neighbors. They're being rejected by their friends and possibly their families. So he says to those people that have been rejected and they're strangers, he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, and Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. But in the sight of God, listen, this word again, Ecletos, chosen, and precious. So Jesus was rejected by men, but he was held chosen and precious by God. Then he goes on to say, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You're part of this thing. You're not out by yourself, far away from everything else, but you're part of this house that God is building called his church in this earth. You're to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Remember it talks about it was rejected, the cornerstone being rejected, but this time it's, it's chosen and precious, those words again, the ekletos, the chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. But again, coming back to this word again, chosen, but you are a chosen race. You're valued. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you might feel a million miles away from God at this moment in time, and you might not even know God, but he loves you. And he says that he's chosen you. If you know God at this time, you're not forgotten. He hasn't forgotten you because you are away somewhere else. He loves you and he has chosen you in the same way that God, Jesus was rejected, but he was chosen and precious. The very standpoint of where we go through in suffering and where we enter into and we, we, we experience suffering in our lives, the number one thing that we need to know and understand that helps us to stand firm, unshakable, 
is that we are chosen and we are precious to an omnipotent God who will always care for us and always look after us. And we don't need to be afraid of what's going on around about us, but we understand that we're chosen and precious in the sight of God. Amen. Amen.